Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Day three of Where is Alvin? Welcome to the program. I am Jim Rome. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket can. All right, so once again, last time we saw Alvin, it was Friday. It was his birthday. Birthday Friday. I sent him off into the weekend. I said, Alvy, have a great birthday weekend. What are you doing? He told us. I have not seen him since. I don't know where he is. I just know where he is not. He is not here. So if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, you see this. You know this. There is Rit sitting in Alvin's chair. There's Jock. There's Cindy. Where is Alvin? I don't know when I'm going to see him, but it feels like no time soon. All right. So with that in mind... Let's get it. Wednesday, with or without Alvin, is always a big day on the program. Lots to get done. Let me lay it out for you. Your telephone number is toll-free. It is smack-off season. You've got to find a way into the smack-off in order to win the smack-off. I've got another player profile, and maybe, possibly, against my better judgment, I'm just going to say it right off the top. It's Mike in Indy. Is Mike in Indy going to show his face this year? I don't know. I never know. I know that when he does... Things happen. Good things and bad things. Good things because generally he hits the board. Bad things, he generally does not win and is not like that. Mike in Indy is that guy who thinks that literally he should have won every single time he's called. No, no, no. So we'll find out. Either way, he's going to get the treatment. And the treatment's a good thing. The profile. The smack-off player profile, Mike in Indy, coming up later on. It's Wednesday, so you're probably wondering about the beef segment. We do do it every single Wednesday, but it moves within the program. It's going to be at 1040. 1040 Pacific time, so if you've got beef on anything at all, save it and hit me then, 1040. Between now and then, PGA Tour golfer Billy Horschel, he's won in the past week. He joins me at 940. Carlos Pena at 10 o'clock. What's your beef at 1040? Les Sneed, LA Rams GM. And I'm going to have to smash an ATP in there too. All right. All of that and your phone number, 1-800-636-8686. Hit me up on Twitter at Jim Rome. And yes, you can email me still at Rome, R-O-M-E at haveatake.com. And yes, I saw Hefty. I saw how he looked. Not good. Below not good. We'll get to that later on. I want to start with some baseball. I want to start with the Los Angeles Angels. The Los Angeles Angels are on one. I mean, they are on one. And by being on one, I really mean they're on 13. 13 straight losses. Winless for June and a good chunk of May. I mean, 15 days ago, you want some data. You want some analytics. 15 days ago, they were 10 games over 500, and they were rolling towards the postseason for the first time in forever. 15 days later, they're now three games under 500, and they're nine and a half games out of first. Clones, I will do this for you. Baby Jessica cannot believe how far they've fallen. Yesterday, had a boy, Rit. You happy? You happy with yourself? You shouldn't be. So the team fires manager Joe Madden yesterday. And about the only person surprised by that was Joe Madden. He was asked by The Athletic if he was surprised by the move. And he said, quote, a little bit. Actually, a lot. You always rely on people in charge to read the tea leaves properly. This time they did not. You didn't even have to ask me. You can ask any of the players or coaches. They're the ones who really know. End of quote. 
So you're a little bit taken back. You're a little bit surprised. That's actually a little bit hilarious. No, that's really hilarious. My man, you did not see this coming. Then you're pretty much the only one, Joseph. Did not see this coming. Might be time to get a new pair of specs. Clearly, the prescription on the ones that you're rocking is not strong enough. You did not see this coming. You probably also did not know that you were on really thin ice coming into this season as well. Look, I know you think that you're Casey Stengel, Earl Weaver, and Terry Francona all rolled into one. But if you were half the manager that you think you are, they would have never allowed you to enter the final year of your contract without a new contract. So, of course, you were a 12-game losing streak away from getting broken off. This is the Angels' last best chance in making the postseason. Something that actually seemed like a lock only two weeks ago. No way they were just going to sit and watch the palace burn to the ground. ground. Rit, you're going to be in the ground soon, dude. I hope not. I'm not rooting for it. I'm just saying. Bring it on. (laughs) Hey, Alvin, where the hell are you, man? Rit's just settling in. Ding. Dude, you may not even make it through the show. Rit, put it in the ground. Anyway, there was no way the Angels were just going to sit around and watch Rit burn to the ground. No way they were just going to sit there and watch that 12-game losing streak turn into 18 of 20 or 20 of 22. No way they were just going to sit there and do nothing while Joe Madden just sat there and did nothing. And then talk about being mathematically eliminated before the end of June. Oh, but you're surprised that you got broken off. Pretty hilarious. <laughs> Boy, Rit, the hell am I going to do with you? The hell am I going to do with you, old man? In fact, it's going to flip. Hey, Alvin, take as much time as you want. Stay away as long as you want. Alvin, we're all replaceable. Me, you. The only one here who's not replaceable is Rit. That's it, Mr. President. Now you got it. Now you got it. (laughs) This dude. Anyway, the front office. Hey, let's not let the show get in the way of you. The front office was telling Joe Madden, this is a show me year. As in, show me something. And what did you show them? A 12-game losing streak. And it was getting worse by the day. You had your worst week of the season, and then you chased that with an even worse week, and then after that, the worst week of all. Yeah, I'm fully aware. Teams do lose games. They do. But really good teams do not have 12-game losing streaks. Teams with multiple MVP candidates do not crap the bed 12 times. Like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani have been struggling. And that is a tough coincidence, but it's not like the rotation has been picking them up. And the bullpen can't do jack. And that's when people typically turn to the manager for something and Madden had nothing. Well, actually, he did have something. He had a finger to point and he had lots of blame. Lots of blame for management, who according to Joe, just does not get it. He told the Athletic, quote, obviously, 12 straight losses is no fun for anybody, but there are people who get it, who can easily see why. It's not to point the finger at just one particular person. We just needed to get the guys back on track, get a couple of wins, get the mojo going again, but 
we didn't get that opportunity. End of quote. Yeah, thing is, Joe, you did. You did get that opportunity. You got it every single day that you went to the yard during that 12-game losing streak. Every day was an opportunity to turn it around, get back on track, get a win. Just one win, and then get that mojo once again. You're acting like you got broken off for having one bad day or one bad week. That's not the case. This is your third year there. You haven't won Jack. They saw you take this jet right into the side of a mountain, Maverick. And it's not just the losses, but it's how you lost. That Sunday choke job against the Phillies was especially egregious. Having a 6-2 lead in the bottom of the eighth with two outs and two strikes and then blowing the game with a couple of bombs is revolting. Man, that's disgusting. It's reprehensible. And it wasn't just a couple of bad breaks or a couple of bad bounces and you were losing tight games. You were getting hammered pretty much every time they showed up to the yard. They were outscored by 43 runs during that 12-game losing streak. And before you tell me it's a long season, I know this. Teams are going to have losing streaks, but again, a 12-game losing streak, if you're that team with that talent, is not a losing streak. That is a disaster. It's a meltdown. It's a full-blown implosion. And when your pitchers go from really good to a complete mess, then that is an issue. Listen, this team has not been to the postseason since 2014. They have not won a postseason game in Mike Trout's career. Mike Trout came up in 2011. Yeah, I know. I know. Long year. It's a long season. Here's the thing. It gets really late, really early when you play the way the Angels are playing. Because they had to do something. They're way too good to be way this bad. And jacking up one of the better stories in the sport. And probably what's left of his managerial career in about two weeks' time is not easy to do. Yet Madden somehow just did it. Listen, the Rays don't miss this guy. The Rays did not skip a beat without this guy. They don't miss him and neither will the Angels. one 800 636-8686. You can't just wave a rally monkey at it, Joe. You got to do more. Although Angel Jano does love the rally monkey. 1-800-636-8686. Starting with some baseball. All right, so once again, other things I want to get to today. Mike in Indy. The question to me is not, is he going to win? But is he going to show? You never know. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he retires before the smack off, then sometimes he unretires. Mike in Indy. I've got Billy Horschel coming up later on this hour. I also want to talk about the Live Tour. They're signing people now. It's not just a guy who's got no personality and some old guy who was in hiding for four months. They're signing guys and they're signing names and they're throwing a lot of money at it. And I do want to talk about that look. How about Hefty showing up on the red carpet looking like that? Dude, you were gone four months. How do you come back looking like it was 40 years later? A Rangers fan. I got bad news for you. You can't put that one on Aubrey. All of a sudden, we have ourselves a series. If you have both hands around the throat of a champion, man, you better squeeze tight. And you better choke them out, and you better finish. 
the last thing you want to do is give a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning a reason to believe. And that's what they have. And all of a sudden now, the Rangers who are up 2-1 and had a lead are now looking at 2-2 series. And they gave the Lightning life. That is the last thing you want to give a champ. Life. And they have it now. And now all of a sudden that series looks and feels totally different. You know, I mentioned yesterday that the one thing I did not want to do is the one thing I did do, and not only did do, but actually started the entire program with. And not only started the program with, but did an entire hour on it. Deshaun Watson. The last thing I want to do is go there again today. But there are new details. New developments. You know the thing about your job? Like, I've got the best job ever. Best job ever. They pay me to come in here and talk junk. They pay me to come in here and interview athletes. I get paid to watch sports. It's like the greatest job ever. Why do you think I work so hard at it? I don't want to lose it. It's the best job ever. But even the best job ever has aspects of that job that you hate. Believe it or not. Hey, Rome, what could be so horrible about your job? Fair. Like almost nothing. Almost nothing. I love this gig. But there are a couple of things that I don't like about it. And one or two things I hate about it. And talking about Deshaun Watson is something I really don't like about this job. In fact, I hate it. I hate it. And I'm going to do my very best not to. But it is the job. And I want to keep the job. Because it's an amazing job. I just hate that part of it. Man, this dude really, really likes to get his massage on. Really likes massages. Nobody anywhere likes anything as much as Deshaun Watson loves to get a massage. Allegedly, but probably. Damn, Rit. Do you like your job? Then don't do things like that. He allegedly had 66 different women that he reached out to to get a massage. Oh, but because it was COVID. Because that makes so much sense. The rest of us are socially distancing and trying to tighten our circles. Yet this guy thinks, oh, COVID. Well, what I should probably do is reach out to dozens and dozens of randos. And instead of socially distancing, get them to, quote, get up in here. Like I said, I don't want to talk about it. And I'm going to do my best not to. However, I may have no way around it. Then you have those who just don't get it or are late to find out. No names mentioned. Cam Newton. Cam Newton still thinks that he's one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I don't think so, Cam. And uh, yes, I was the guy who did defend you when you went to New England. I thought that could work. I thought that might be a good fit. You yourself said it was a jacked up fit. And so was Carolina. My guy, I understand that great, great athletes are usually the last ones to know. That's part of what makes them great. But you are pretty much the last one to know. He said, in effect, during a podcast that you are an absolute fool if you think that I'm not one of the top 32. That there are 32 better than me. Gotta say, Cam, there probably are 32 better than you. In fact, maybe 40. Maybe 50. All of this still ahead. The beef segment at 1040. Let me lay out for you really quickly how that works. You call and you beef. You tweet and you beef. The beef can be about anything at all. Corned beef, roast beef, New York, filet, chicken, family, life, work, 
sports, non-sports, almost anything at all. If you got a beef, hit me with it. I would love to hear from you. Let me check the reaction right quick before I go to break because I'm kind of curious where you're coming from. At H of Spillane tweets, boss, I wouldn't expect me coming into work tomorrow either. Tomorrow's date is June 9th. Nice. Figure it out. Signed, Alvin. Yeah, I'm not expecting it. I I don't know when I'll see this kid again. If I will see this kid again. If this kid had another kid again. All I know is last Friday was his birthday. And we wished him a happy birthday. And told him to have a great weekend. And he just extended it. It must be the best weekend ever. Ding. Guy's nowhere to be found. I literally have not seen him since Friday. I've not spoken to him. I've not seen him. I mean, he's still alive. I know that. I feel like Alvin's one of those guys that, like, you ever watch 48 Hours or Dateline where somebody gets abducted and the serial killer just starts sending the family letters that allegedly came from the person who was abducted? Have you ever seen those stories? All the time. Happens all the time. I feel like I'm going to get these emails from this Alvin account. Dear Van Smack, sorry, can't make it in. Me and Miller just traveling the world. Um, okay. But then it doesn't sound like Alvin, and Alvin is misspelling words that normally he wouldn't misspell, and he's calling me things he would never call me since normally he only calls me dude. Hey, Alvin, have you been, have you been abducted? Chris in Milwaukee, quote, Jimmy, I didn't think it would come to this, but I think you need to get Gary Sinise on the phone, and scream, Give me back my Alvy! Give me back my son! HQ66 writes, Ritz drops are slower than Kendrick Perkins on a fast break. It's really not Ritz's fault. Like, he's old, and he's slow. He's older than dirt, and slower than molasses. You know what molasses is? That's something you can relate to, Ritz. Molasses? Galoshes? Two good words. Fitting for an old guy like you. It's not his fault. Like, he's playing a sport. Well, I'm asking Ritt to play a game that he really doesn't play very often. It's like asking a professional golfer, or more in this case, like a local muni hack, and asking him to play in the NBA. This is not cool. <laughs> I would let you talk to me on air, Ritt, but that would be really uncool. It would not work. Really quickly, Stephen Palm Springs writes, Snagger. Once again, Ritt did not hit the Terry button. Can someone please teach that old dog a new trick? Listen, that old dog is keeping this plane in the air somehow, some way. I'm all right with it. I'm all right with it. Terry? 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 Billy from Philly. That's a good handle. I like that. I like this guy already. At Billy from Philly. Joe Madden? More like Joe Mad Dunn. Hell! Hey, dude, I like your handle, just not your tweet. Where's the local anchor saying, if your name's Joe Madden, you're not getting ready for work? Madden's like, wait, what? You're firing me? This is my fault? Yes. Not all your fault, but yes. And finally, Ken in SA writes, Rome, the Los Angeles Angels haven't won a game since June. 
Neither have we. Sincerely, the Edmonton Oilers. Hashtag swept. In defense of them, they did run into a buzzsaw. They did run into a buzzsaw. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and Samer next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. We start the second hour by having a conversation with a 14-year MLB veteran, an all-star, a gold glove winner, a silver slugger, an American League home run champ, an American League Comeback Player of the Year award winner in 2007. You can watch Carlos Pena across MLB Network's programming, including tomorrow's MLB Central at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Carlos, good to have you back. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me, uh, Jim. Doing well. My man, there are a lot of people who try to make the jump from being a player to an analyst, but I'm not sure there's a lot of people that bring the kind of energy and positivity to it that you do. I want to ask you something. Like, I know you would tell me, hey, listen, it's a great job. I get to talk about the thing I love most, but you still bring a certain energy and positivity to it every single day. What is your approach in that regard? Is that just the way you are, or is that the way you go about your business? Thanks. Thanks for that. I appreciate that you notice. I, I, I bring the energy because whatever is in front of me, I want to do it to the best of my ability. I hope that it comes across that I absolutely love the game of baseball. Um, I'm always looking for ways to improve as if I was a player still, like if I were a player still, um, I'm thinking to myself, what could have I done differently to be better, which actually makes me a better analyst because I'm looking at swings every single day. I'm, I'm calculating, you know, timing mechanisms and, um, going deep into the analytics and at the same time without losing the essence of being an athlete. And um, it's, it's just that passion um, for, for the game that I have that I think carries me. But ultimately, I also have this in my mind. Whatever endeavor uh, is before me, I want to do it to the best of my ability and I'm going to give everything I have. Carlos Pena, my guest, is so smart. Carlos, I used to have talks with, and more and more athletes are now getting into the media and they understand this, but I can remember back in the day, athletes would come to me and say, well, listen, you've done this a long time. What kind of tips do you have? And I would tell them exactly what you just said. Understand this for what it is. It's not the same thing as playing the game. Nothing will ever feel like that, but you have to attack it the same way. You have to have the similar process. You have to want it as badly. I know that you understand that. Let me ask you about Aaron Judge. He leads the majors in home runs with 22. When you watch him barrel up a ball right now what kind of thoughts do you have <laughs> it's uh it's definitely a sight to behold right because he is very large so uh, huge and you know he creates a lot of leverage and uh, a lot of torque because there's a difference between that torque and bat speed you know i'm talking about torque that initial out of the gates power that that can move heavy loads he creates that he has that if you're a car enthusiast you know what i'm talking about that, that uh, you know, classic Land Rover defender that, that can move, uh, you know, the biggest of boulders. You know, that's what he creates so quickly, right out of the gate. And you pair that up with now a very refined approach at the plate. That increases his probability of getting the barrel to the baseball. Um, and we know that when he's able to do that consistently, then there's only one result. And it's damage. I mean, that is the formula. 
Um, you, you create incredible strength and power, and you do it often. Um, basically, that high probability swing. And what I'm going to say about Judge, I, I think it's very important to know because we were talking about being resilient and working at your craft and trying to get better. Remember, I wouldn't have said this when he first broke into the league. As a matter of fact, many of the analysts um, around baseball were talking about him having too much swing and miss. You know, is he going to be able to hit in the big leagues? And they were almost writing him off. And I'm like, now, wait a second. This is exciting because here's a player that has shown us incredible flashes, you know, of greatness. And his approach has a lot to be desired, uh, leaves a lot to be desired. And here he is, finally refined. That is the result of a lot of work, a lot of discipline, and understanding and passion for learning. He has that. He is the perfect Yankee, Jim. Carlos Pena is joining us. Carlos, how would you define the perfect Yankee? And what does it take to understand the pressure of putting on those pinstripes? What comes along? What kind of responsibility and pressure comes along with that? And how would you define the perfect Yankee? Yeah, the, the load that, that you carry as a Yankee is, um, is unmeasurable. And I think very few, um, you know, very few players uh, realize outside of playing in New York, realize what it means to wear the pinstripes. You know, the history, the, the, the history of the franchise itself, but the history of the game cannot be written without the Yankees being a pillar of, of uh, the, the Major League Baseball throughout uh, the, this last century. Uh, so it's, it's incredibly important. And I think Aaron Judge is one of those guys who embraces that and recognizes that this is a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity, an incredible privilege and honor, you know, and that's the way he approaches uh, every day. The way he conducts himself uh, with the media, with the fans, um, so exemplary. You know, um, his work ethic, that blue-collar mentality. Um, it's almost that his personality stands for what the Yankees stand for. Um, and, and it's that blue-collar mentality. I love that about him. And we could, we could go back and think about Derek Jeter being the previous perfect Yankee, right? Well, here's the new perfect Yankee, Aaron Judge. Mm. Carlos Pena joining us, a really interesting comparison. You know, so you have to be built for that. You've got to be built for New York. Not everybody is, Carlos. I'd make the same argument about Boston. You have to be built a certain way. Not everybody is for Boston. You were discussing with my guy, Sean Casey, recently that back in the day, you had figured out a way to break into Fenway Park. I've got to know, how old were you when you were doing that, and exactly how did that work? You know, it started uh, late in high school, and then uh, by my sophomore year in college, um, I, I went back to it because I was absent for almost a year because I, w I went to Wright State University in Ohio, but when we come back, I had this spot here. And, and, and I almost feel like there was a little bit of negligence on the part of security. I almost feel like they didn't even care. <laughs> you know, I thought that it was actually funny that we, we had found a way to sneak into Fenway, but there's a gap or there was a gap um, behind um, the center field area, left center field area. And we used to be able to just uh, sneak across. Like we fit. It, it was just, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that you um, cherish because now I look back at those memories and we used to laugh it off. We thought it was like we were the, the, so clever. Um, but, you know, thinking back, maybe it, 
maybe the Red Sox just simply didn't care, or the, the security just simply didn't care. They thought it was cool. And I used to go in the bleachers, Jim, which is funny. I would be in the bleachers with the probably one of the craziest and loudest uh, jackets ever. My high school had brown and gold colors. So that gold used to really pop. And I was trying to get on TV, on the highlights. Oh, so whenever wow. Mo Bong hit a home run, I went after that baseball just try to make the biggest commotion I possibly could, grab the baseball, I got a couple home runs, and I would lift it up, and then I would go home and watch the highlights, and I'm like, I'm on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Carlos, now you're always on TV. Even better than that to me. That's a great story in and of itself. But when Pedro Martinez was with the Red Sox, every single start was an event. I mean, he was just so different in that regard. Is it true, though, that he used to show up at your games at Northeastern University? And if so, what was it like and what did it mean to you to have the biggest show in baseball come to see you? Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. He was the biggest show in baseball. He was the man in Boston. But in all of the industry, he was the most dominant pitcher at the time. So here we are playing at Parsons Field in Brookline in, in, in Boston. And I'm playing first base, and I see all this commotion. This, uh, you know, Mercedes, convertible Mercedes uh, Benz comes through. And we're like, what's going on here? You know, we see cameras. Someone found out what he was going to be. I heard there was a Dominican, young Dominican player in Northeastern University that was getting looked at by scouts and potential going in the, in the draft, getting drafted high. He showed up to my ballgame. Who in the world does that? Well, Pedro Martinez. He had the presence of mind to understand that it would mean so much to me and to us, to the university, for him to show up and, and, and you know show his support. Jim, I cannot tell you, the game stopped. I mean, everyone stopped. It, there was like a, a Pedro Martinez delay, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Of course. And rightfully so, right? Rightfully so. Um, and we became friends right in there. And, and his support is one of those things that to this day I thank him for. Um, I don't thank him for anything else <laughs> but that. And I'll tell you that story maybe at another time. But he was lethal to me. Or now, Carlos. <laughs> unless, it's not, well, unless it's not appropriate for in the middle of the day on the air. No, no, it is. It is appropriate. But I, the thing is that it's amazing to me. Or maybe it shouldn't be even that surprising, his intensity. So here he is. He's like the most, you know, welcoming and warm and fussy type guy trying to, like, really lift me up. He's so encouraging. And I finally get to the major leagues, and I get to face Pedro Martinez. Are you kidding me? This is like a huge moment for me. I had not seen Pedro in a while. So when I get to the plate, like, hey, buddy, I'm here. You know, like, I'm, I'm trying to, like, get his acknowledgement or something, like, it's me. It's that kid that you went to see right. at Northeastern University. You know, give me a nod or something. Like, tip your hat. This guy stared me down. Pedro stared me down, like, with a death stare. It was more like, get in the box because I'm about to carve you up. And carve me up, he did. And, and, and I couldn't believe that intensity. And to this day, I joke with him. I'm like, you know what? You were the nicest guy when you came over uh, to see me play. But you were the biggest most difficult guy to deal with when you were on the mound. Like, you're you're acting like you don't even know me anymore. Um, You know, I would expect at least, Jim, like a little nod or a little tip of the hat. 
No mercy. That is the best. Heater, 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 two-seamer, rice or change-up. See you later. Go go sit back down. Sit down, man. <laughs> Carlos, that is such an awesome story. I love that. I, in fact, I would be disappointed. I know probably in that moment you didn't love it that much, but I mean, that's what made Pedro Pedro, right? Not only the filthy, nasty stuff, but just that demeanor, that presence, that, that mindset. In fact, can you explain to me what made that guy that guy? Because I can't even explain it. He's always been one of my all-time favorites, and he just has this thing – you don't know how to explain that thing, but you know that thing when you see that thing, and he had a lot of that thing. He really did. And look, I absolutely agree with you. I wouldn't expect anything less. As a matter of fact, if he if was going to be all fuzzy and cuddly you know, on the mound, then you, you, I would have lost that competitive respect, I guess, you know, at the moment. That was part of his deal. Like, yes, he had an unbelievable changeup, an unbelievable two-seamer, riser, that, that just took off, right, at high velocity. But what was that edge? He was a charging bull on, in, 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 on the mound. It was as if he was, like, trying to dunk on you, you know, trying to, like, rush and tackle you every single time he threw the baseball. And that was, that's why that changeup was so devastating is because you know the fastball is rushing at you at nearly 100 miles per hour, and then he comes with the same motion, same charge, same arm action, and then – the, the baseball is, you know, the pitch is 10 miles per hour slower and you almost break your back swinging through it. So that was part of his MO, modus operandi. I mean, he was so good at that. Now, what, what is it? It comes from, from childhood. You know, he grew up uh, playing baseball, had a baseball family, had that competitive edge with his brothers. And here he is in the big leagues understanding that he does not take anything. He shouldn't take anything for granted. And nothing has been given to him or gifted to him. He has to earn and crawl and sweat and bleed for every single inch that he has conquered. So when he got up to the mound, it was almost as if his life depended on it. That's the intensity that I saw on the mound. And you said it. Some guys have it. Some guys don't. He had tons of that. Carlos Pena, my guest. Carlos, you and I could do an hour on that topic alone. And I don't mean him per se, but that last part that you just said, that he took the mound every single time as if his life depended upon it. I mean, he got to the point where he was the best pitcher in baseball. His life no longer did depend upon it. He'd already gotten there, yet still he took the bump every fifth day with that same kind of intensity. I know you think about these things. I know you study these things. I do as well. What I would give to know, and there is no hack, there is no magic pill, but that thing you're talking about, that, that he would take the ball as if his life depended upon it. Man, what would you give to be able to buy that or get that or somehow get an <laughs> ejection of that? Like, how do we get that if we don't come up the way he did? Can you manufacture that? that? Can you learn that? Where do you get that from if you want that, but you don't have that background? I know we're well, getting deep here. An absolute, what a great question that, that is, Jim, because what happens is this. When we get into circumstances, right, the circumstances shape us. And we respond to those circumstances. So, in essence, what that means then is that what happens when your circumstances improve? Thus, your killer, you know, that, that intense uh, instinct that you have to survive, does it subside? Does it end? Right? It shouldn't, but it's understandable why it would. You're no longer in that flight, you know, like fight or flight, you know, situation. So, this is when now you have to make sure that maybe gratitude is one of those things that can set things, you know, that can set that off where it's like, look, I'm here and I know that it is a, a privilege that I'm wearing this big league uniform and there is 
a million people in the world that would love to switch places with me right now and that want my, my spot. So you defend it. You have to play those mind games. And gratitude is the first one you go to. It's, it's as if you are there to give it all you have for everyone who came before you. I think this is the best way to do it. It's understanding that even beyond yourself, everyone that came before you has done something to get you to that spot. So you almost play this game with respect for those who came before you that, op- that helped you open or opened the door for you, that, that the, the door that you're walking through and enjoying at this particular moment. So you respect, you know, for me, it was, for example, my grandparents, you know, who, who in Dominican Republic, they, they, they were from, from the countryside, living in the mountain, working really, really hard. Then they come down to the city. Then my, my mom and dad sacrificed themselves for me to get to the United States. And so I'm like, wait, wait a second. You're here because of something your ancestors did. That's why you're a big leaguer today. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had the opportunity. So today, you play for those who have sacrificed so much for you. That what, that's what kept my intensity and still to this day uh, keeps my, my intensity going is live your life with respect to those who came before you. That is so big. And I think Pedro, that drove him, man. That, that really drove him. Even when he was a multimillionaire in the top of his, of his game, he still had that intensity. See, my takeaway from that, what a great answer. My takeaway from that, Carlos, is you had your why, you still have your why, and it still drives you to this day. A 14-year MLB vet, an all-star, a gold glove winner, a silver slugger, an American League home run champ, the AL Comeback Player of the Year in 2007, and you can watch Carlos Pena across MLB Network's programming, including tomorrow's MLB Central, which is 9 a.m. Eastern time. My man, Carlos, so good to have you back. Always Love that conversation. Another great job by you. Thanks so much for that. Yeah, I look forward to the next time, Jim. Always a pleasure. You are the best, Carlos. Thank you very much. Carlos Pena, great, great energy. That is a very epitome of, I like that energy. You can say that and really mean that. I like that energy. He shows up like that every single time. I liked it. You got that in the same day, Red. Yeah. Oh, yes. I love that sound. Puts a smile on my face every single time because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. What Shopify does is it gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and keep you informed effortlessly. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, I I know this. I've lived this. I know where we started with this podcast and I know where we are right now. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. They're that good. And like our business, Shopify has powered over millions of others from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash Rome 
all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Try it for yourself for 14 days. Grow your business with Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E right now. Shopify.com slash Rome. I'm going to skip the horse racing metaphors today and just cut right to the chase. Smack Off 28 is now 11, 11 shows away for Alvin probably his next show, knowing Alvin at this point. But for the rest of you, 11 shows away. I myself already have a scheduled day off. I'm going to miss one of those programs. So for you mathematics majors, that means you really have 10 more days of Smack Off season to pull your bleep together. I still have a stack of golden tickets chilling right here under my desk. I'm still looking for RSVPs. I've got one on hold right now. I need more. I'm still waiting for the watch listers to get up off the watch list and get the hell into the field. And if it all sounds like I have a certain source of or sense of urgency, it's that I have a certain sense of urgency. If that's what you think, you're right. You're catching on. I'm ramping it up. In fact, I'm about to show you all how serious I am right now because today I profile a guy who has been a giant in the jungle. A caller who simply put is, well, in a word, Ionic. Ionic. A contributor that is truly one of one. Mike in Indy. Mike in Indy has been so good for so long that this profile could take us to the end of the program. It could. He's that good. He might be the best. Mike. Mike and Indy might be the best to ever call this show. Not necessarily my take, but absolutely his take. You already know what's up, Romy. You know why I'm here. I'm the best there ever was and the best there ever will be. I mean, there's no doubt he thinks that. But, but there is no doubt that he is in that conversation. He is. Even though he's only claimed that one strap. One strap but six silver medals. He has been the runner-up more times than any other smack-off participant in history. And again, if you ask Mike, he should have won all six of those events. Then he would have seven. He's never lacked confidence or aggression or swag. Case in point, he's been going right at Brad and Corona for over a decade now. Brad wants to talk about me playing five-on-five at 24-hour fitness the fact that Brad knew basketball is five-on-five five is a sign somebody fed him that line. We all know Brad doesn't know jack about sports, and that's why he never has any sports takes. The last time Brad showed up at a 24-hour fitness, he was wearing a pair of Spanx and carrying a yoga mat. I think Brad's hatred for sports comes from his unathletic childhood, where instead of gym class being awesome for people like me, it was torture for scrubs like Brad. Someone passes him the basketball, and he has to do something goofy, like trap it against his chest to catch it. Brad always being one of the first kids out in dodgeball, which he didn't mind too much because he could sit on the side and gossip with the other girls about studs like me. That call was from 2009. And it's the exact same crack that everybody tries to land, always has, always will, and they will do more of that, I'm sure, in 2022 in Smack Up 28. But there are plenty of imitators, but only one Mike and Indy. For over a decade, he was the highest volume shooter in the jungle and the highest volume shot maker. Listen to this call from Smack Off 25. Romy, I'm the big, long, straight piece in Tetris. 
Stevie Carbone is that crappy zigzag piece you get right before your screen fills up. You've heard everybody coming at me today. I got so many beefs, I can't even keep track. I got so much beef, Beaks in Studio City tried to rob me in broad daylight. Rome, I have thousands of Twitter followers, but I only follow five, so getting a follow from me is a huge honor. If I win today, I'm going to open up the floodgates and follow the whole XR4TI. That might be the closest you knuckleheads ever get to a Twitter verification. Rome, I'm having a tough time dealing with that moving stage that ESPN uses to whisk Booger McFarlane from one end of the field to the other. What's next? They're going to suspend Booger McFarlane's fat ass in a zipline harness hovering over the field? Brad and Corona apologists say Brad has four championships but should have five. Well, I should have nine championships, so I guess that settles that. This dude is like a machine. Take, take, take. Make, make, make. They all land. And the thing is, Mike probably would have the nine straps that he thinks he should have if he did not break into the game at the exact same time that Bradley did. That year was 09. 2009, PIC finished first in his debut in Smackoff number 15. Mike finished second. And Mike has been unleashing his fury on the jungle ever since. And he is no stranger to controversy, theatrics, and clone conspiracies. He famously retired and then unretired the day before SmackOff 24. He attempted to sell a cameo on a SmackOff 25 call for $5,001. He even has the game to debunk popular clone theories by running devastating Smack. Rome, about once a year, somebody new shows up and flashes brilliance, and everyone assumes it's me because I'm the gold standard of brilliance. On the brilliance scale of one to Mike and Indy, Jeff and Southfield started as a nine, but after that garbage call today, you all know that ain't me. Regardless, Jeff received the ultimate compliment any smack-off caller could ever receive. At one point, everyone thought he was me. I mean, he makes it look easy, and for that guy, it pretty much is. Always has been. Check out how he came through at SmackOff 24 a day after pulling that retirement stunt. Mike can build the hype, and then Mike can meet the hype. Today I'm going to play a little game of show and tell. I'm going to show you all how great I am, and then I'm going to tell you about it. I know everybody's saying I'm responsible for the Left and Laguna rule, banning studio appearances, and that's true. I got that done. But it was to protect Rome against a psychopath like Rick and Buffalo. Rome doesn't exactly have a crew of ass kickers on the other side of that glass. Nice pre-recorded doctored-up call. Take out the gimmicks and that call sucks so bad it might have sucked another Southwest passenger out of airplane window. I'm telling you about this dude. If this dude shows up on the 24th, if, if, I don't remember the last time he did show up. I think the smack off two years ago. If this dude shows up on the 24th, he is a major threat. Possibly the single biggest threat. But since I never hear from him anymore, the annual question applies. Where the hell are you, Mike? At this point, I'm getting tired of saying that I'm tired of this question. But then again, when you can run smack the way this guy can, you earn the right to do whatever the hell you want. Even if the thing is to go all milk carton on the jungle. Just know, if this guy does show up, you know what he has in him. If this guy does show up, he can easily rip the entire event.
I think of a young Caleb in Green Bay looking up at his Mike and Indy poster on the ceiling before he falls asleep at night. Mark in Boston is a proven caller, proven to be average. The most pathetic man in the jungle, Stevie Carbone. Carbone realized he wanted to be a reality spoiler when he told some little kid Santa Claus didn't exist. And when he saw the disappointment on that kid's face, Stevie thought, damn. That felt good. Brad and Corona, I bet this cat has to watch 30 minutes of Melrose Place in the morning just to get right. Mike Tirico thinks this guy's a tool. I'd like to start by talking a little Women's World Cup. Alex Morgan is hot. I want to wish everybody a happy October, or as Matthew Perry calls it, McRib Month. The only reason Brad's name pops up on National Dog Day is because he's a bitch. And Mark in Hollywood, I'm with you on your rant about Hulk Hogan, but then you go on to make fun of people with Tourette's Syndrome. Bitch poser! Mark should have won the ESPY award for courage coming back after those last two ass whoopings he got. Joe in Hollywood. Joe, you're about as smooth as AC Green at a nightclub. Your last call violated both elements of the have a take, don't suck rule. You didn't have a take and you suck. Vic, you are a worthless word gypsy. What, Jim Abbott chewing his own arm off didn't want any of that? I go hard in the paint because y'all can't. Who says he's hungry for his next challenge? I think he's just hungry, period. I'm going to roast Stu and then feed him to himself. Mark in Hollywood. Get a clue, bro. Mark, you might as well bend over and spell the word run. In front of you other kooks that want to try to take a run at me leading up to the smack off, you better don't. You better don't. <sighs> I'm telling you, man, as montages go, I'd put that one up there against anybody else's. Not named the BIC, and Mike's not going to like that, but man, that is, that is strong. That is strong because that is different. There is nobody like that guy. You better don't. Mikey, you better not. You, you better, better don't. don't miss this one, Mikey. You really hope to hear from you on the 24th. You better don't. You better, you don't, better don't miss don't. us. You better don't miss this one, Mike. You better don't. If you think that Mike will show and you think that Mike will win, send us a prediction video. I wonder if that moves the odds or if Stucknut has an insider who knows whether or not Mike will show. We don't know. I don't know. I honestly do not know. I'm not playing games. I wish I knew. I'm, I'm saying, Mike, be here. You make it better. Hey, listen, we're going to do this thing with or without you like we do every single year, but I know you'll make it better. If you think he's going to show and you want to predict it, him as the victor or you want back somebody else, send us a prediction video. Just be sure to spare us the homemade porn, drug and alcohol use, violence, and or profanity. I know that's asking a lot for a lot of you. All we need is 15 seconds filmed horizontally and send it to smackoffvideos at gmail.com. Smackoffvideos at gmail.com. We will get it on the air and you will be on national TV. We will play it on CBS Sports Network. We've already run a number of these things. You better don't include any profanity. You, you won't don't. see the light of day. You better don't include any sexuality. You better uh, don't. Or drug usage. And did I say profanity? Shoot it horizontally. Where is Mikey? So I'm looking for an RSVP. In fact, I've got an RSVP. <laughs> Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Wild Trapper, because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. 
I mean, who wants dried out tough beef in a bag? No one. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? <laughs> what we have here is a giant plastic tower of beef, which would signify the start of the What's Your Beef segment. Really quickly, James in Long Beach bumped in with a prediction for the smack off, and he's going chalk. Not chalk like Chalky Love, but Chalky, the favorite, Bic, B-I-C, the Bic. Rome, I'm not going to start you off with a beef. I'm going to let you go right to it. Rome. I have beef with people who call regular boring campfires bonfires. If you aren't burning a huge stack of pallets or a pile of tires, it's not a bonfire. Quit falsely advertising a wicked awesome fire with that lame little fire that you're having. Only your parents or writ would probably show up for. Sign Johnny in Green Bay or GB. Quit lying about your quote bonfire. It's not a bonfire. It's a campfire or a little fire. Hey, Johnny, is that the hill you want to die on? The bonfire blast? The bonfire beef? Hey, Rome, my beef is with people who pet dogs and consistently ask, what's your name? Unless you're talking to Paul's dog, that mutt is not going to tell you its name. You kook. Save yourself some embarrassment and ask the owner like a normal human being. Freddie in Sacktown. Jim, my beef is with people who eat Chinese takeout with chopsticks. You know you can use a fork, right? Oh no, it's Chinese food. I have to use the sticks because I'm cool. Nobody is impressed. They are looking at you wondering why you wouldn't make it easier for yourself. Lee in Hartford. I don't know, Lee. I don't think people use chopsticks in order to be, quote, cool. I think it's kind of fun or it's part of the process. You might argue that the food tastes better with the chopsticks as opposed to a fork. I don't know. I go back to it's fun. No, I have a much bigger beef with the area in which I live. Whenever I go to get sushi or I send out for sushi or I bring sushi home, man, they could not be any stingier with the wasabi. For the last time, why do I have to keep asking for extra wasabi? Because you're giving me this much. If I'm going to pay 14 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever it is for some crazy specialty roll, can you give me more than this tiny dollop of wasabi that I know doesn't cost you more than four cents for a gigantic snowball of it? Totally ridiculous, Rome. How about the soy sauce in little packets? Yeah, because you can get that out. First of all, you can't get that thing open. You have to go to the scissors to get it open. And then when you do, it squirts everywhere. So the chopsticks, sir, 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 in all honesty, the chopsticks are not the problem, Lee. Everything else is. Ed Romy, you rock, writes, my beef is with the wife trying something new for dinner. Babe, you can barely boil water. Me and the kids don't like our chicken boiled in whatever that green sauce is. War Domino's. 
Nunzio writes, my beef is with those who will constantly use, know what I mean, know what I'm saying. Yeah, bro, I clearly know what you mean because you're literally telling me what you are saying. This isn't prehistoric times where we're trying to communicate through grunting. Hi, Jim. My beef is with that guy from San Diego who keeps telling us he's from San Diego, even though we already know. Edward Moron, is it? Steve K. I think it's Marino, Steve. I think you know that. Romy, my beef is with that dude that yells out, Freebird, no matter what concert he's at. Bro, that take is about as funny as clones that have Walmart takes or think it's cool to bash on dead former clones. If I want to hear a drunk, middle-aged, overworked dad yelling out redneck gloss, I would watch a video of me at one of my son's middle school band concerts. Bernie and Beantown. Nice job, Bernie. This guy writes, my beef is with manscaping and those who engage in it. Any dude who voluntarily wields cutting implements in such close proximity to their crown jewels is not to be trusted. Surgeons, money managers, lawyers, etc., who behave in such a way are predisposed to tempt fate and dismiss consequences. This endangers society at large. To manscape is to play Russian roulette. Remember Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Nature finds a way to exact revenge upon those who disregard its power. Tom in Virginia, dude, that is extremely heavy for a beef. Very thick, brah. Hey, Jim, I've got a beef with Harley Guy. Speeding around like a butthole and splitting lanes trying to project toughness. Dude, you're an idiot and your bike is junk. I don't care about that stupid chrome, how much noise it makes, or where it was made. What a bunch of kooks. Jeff in Portland. I like it. Why don't we skip ahead to some phones? See what's up. Look at this guy. Gino in San Antonio jumping in for the beef. Gino, what's up? What's your beef? Man, I'm just slumming today, Rom. Yeah, I got a beef with people who think a pile of wood in a pit is a bonfire, signed Detroit. No, actually, my beef is with Rich Ackerman. When Rome says, here's the very latest, he doesn't mean literally, Ackerman. Your latest could not be later. Wikipedia thinks you're late to the party, pal. Rome opens the show with a breakdown of last, night, last night's news. We've already watched Sports Center this morning. I'm surprised you don't end your updates by saying, and that's the way it was. Come on, Rich, do better. Gino, I can't believe this guy showing up. Like he said, today I'm slumming it, and he called the beef segment. Gino is all in on smack-off season, and I'm hyped for it. Nice job, Gino. Let's go to J.D. in Philadelphia. J.D. in Philly, actually. J.D., what's up? What's your beef? Hey, Jim. Thanks for the vine. Uh, my beef is with the Pacific Northwest. Starting out with that idiot Wells and the 360 and all these callers and the, the Viking degenerate who make us happy that Seattle Kraken has eight legs to close all their pie holes with. But I really want to go after Portland and uh, we'll talk a little bit about our, our, our boy, James. 
James, now you may think I'm beefing over the 1977 NBA Finals, but listen, nobody remembers it, not even Bill Waltman. He was the MVP. Now, my real beef is because of his obsession with Albie and his J.D., you're my dude. J.D., I mean, really, you're my dude. I love you. I do. I do. But for the beef segment, it's, you know how this goes, J.D., bam, 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 bam. You can't give me a bunch of beefs and then finally say, but my real beef. It's the beef segment. Start with your real beef. End with your real beef. And then keep moving. Let's go to Wisco. Zach in Wisco. Zach, what's your beef? Hey, Jim, my beef is with motion lights and restrooms set on a timer. Nobody likes having the lights go out when you're at your most vulnerable in a stall, nowhere near the sensor, to reset the light. Set the timer for five minutes, not 30 seconds, Chipotle. Oh, hey, somebody just came in. I got to go. Zach and Wisco, 1-800-636-8686. Speaking of Portland, this is the Amber in Portland. The Amber in Portland, looking to cross over and come on the phones, which I respect. I appreciate that. Good to have you. Amber, what's your beef? Romy, my beef is with Kathleen and Bugaha. I mean, what is she? The female version of Rain Man? Half the time you can't even understand what she's saying. Kathleen, nobody cares about what QBs you find beefy. Also, I'm an Oregon duck. Keep Justin Herbert's name out your mouth. I'm out. Nice job, Amber. There you go. That's how you do it. Well done. She crossed over. Made me laugh. Sounded great doing it. Nice job, Amber. Really well done. Really well done. And tight. Did you see that? She got in, she got out. That's how you do it. Let me go back to some uh, tweets and emails. Vance Mack. My beef is with my wife. I text her to ask her if she wants anything from the store before I even get to the store parking lot. Without fail, she texts me right back after I tap to pay. Where was this text message when I needed it? Ron, now back in Santa Monica. Yeah, I got a beef too. I got a beef with any text that I fire out to either one of my kids that never comes back. It's like a black hole. Like you kids are never not on your phones. How is it that you can never text back the guy who pays for that phone? Come on, Logs, do better. You too, Jake. Rome, my beef is with the clones. I decide to take a three-day fornication furlong, and it's completely derailed the show. Leave me alone. You're lucky I even performed for you bastards. Thank you. Signed, Alvin Del Horno. Alvin Del Horno. You know, like porno? Like horndog? Del Horno. I see what you did there. Rome, my beef is with anyone who calls race car drivers athletes. Hey, bags, I'm a trucker. And I guarantee you, if any of those guys in a rig and you ask them to back a 53-foot trailer into a dock, we would be there all day and never see them finish. Well, I've never heard of a truck driver call himself an athlete. Nate in GR. War writ. Bumping Baker Street again. Hey, Nate, were you never, ever coming into the beef segment ever again? I hate that song. Hate is such a strong word, especially at this time. And I hate to use the word hate, but I hate that song. 
Hey, Rome. My beef is with loser parents who let their kids lean over the backs of restaurant booths. I'm just trying to enjoy my grilled cheese and soup in peace, and all I can do is watch your Kool-Aid-stained-faced kid make googly eyes at me and wave their ketchup-caked hands at me. Do like any other red-blooded American parents and stick your iPhone in front of them and let them play Angry Birds. Signed, David P. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. We're joined right now by the general manager of the L.A. Rams. He led the Rams to the Super Bowl in February. He was named Rams GM back in 2012. He spent the previous 13 years with Atlanta. The Rams are going to open up against Buffalo. Big-time matchup September 8th. We are joined by Rams GM Les Sneed. Les, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm good. How about you? Good, good, Les. Appreciate the visit. Thank you very much. I know you were at Sean McVay's wedding over the weekend, and you agreed to Aaron Donald's new deal on Monday. Seems like a pretty solid few days. How do things feel generally right now? Like, what's your energy feeling like? You know, the, the energy's good in that we're, we're, you know, you take, hey, Sean getting married. Uh, finally, uh, for him, him and Veronica have been together since he's been here. So I've mentioned many times she. You know, when you go career record, she does a lot of credit in in the wins that he's garnered as a head coach, right? To to probably uh, help, uh, probably give uh, a new contract to AD and be a wedding gift for Sean. That's great. But it, we're at that point where this was the last day of our OTAs, our, our mini camp, and we're about to close shop and 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 go on one last let's call it getaway and come back and and like you said. Get ready for that heavyweight fight on uh, Thursday night versus the Buffalo Bills. We're talking to Les Snead. So, Les, what about AD? Like, he had raised the idea in the past that maybe he might retire after eight seasons. At any point, were you concerned that Donald would not be back and that he might actually retire? I, I think, uh, Jim, the, the one time I was probably the, the most concerned was probably the week of the Super Bowl, a little bit the week after. But I do know that... Uh, there was some rumblings that you know this could be it that that he had accomplished a lot and if we actually were able to capture the flag uh, it might be a, a career well done but I, I think like a lot of people it was hard for my human brain to to actually rationalize conceptualize that somebody right as good as ad who's still playing really good football would actually retire so uh but it, it was interesting to go through it and, and glad we were able to come up with a win-win because I, I do think there's uh, A.D. has a lot a lot more football left in his body. We're talking to Les Snead. I'm glad you brought up your quote, human brain. I'm going to double back to that in a minute. So, Les, obviously your job is never done. You got the flag, but your job is never done because Cooper Cup is next on the list. How are you going to approach it with him? It's very similar to, to Aaron in in. In, in the, both both players were still under contract. We both felt like that they had earned uh, raises, and the, and then the the if you want to call it the com- complex part of that, maybe the creative part is having our you know, director of football admin Tony Pastors really get in the lab with uh, their representatives and, and come up with a win win, right? So that right the player is rewarded, and, and also from the team's perspective that hey we can still be competitive 
in the, in the short and long term, and that's the art of it. And it, what makes it different this time of year is, is there's no deadline. It's not unrestricted free agency, right, where a bell rings and a and a, a, a you know a young man has one or two offers and and things happen really fast. So uh, it can be a little bit long. It's it's a more uh, oven baked process than microwavable process. We're talking to Les Snead. So Les, earlier in the offseason, you were saying that the team would definitely want Odell Beckham Jr. back. I know he did crash Sean's wedding. Sean was hyped on that. So can you share where do things stand with Odell right now? And can you see a scenario where he would be back with the Rams? You know. It, We've, uh, you know, just just uh, Odell, you know, making the time to to pop in and 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 if you call it crash Sean's wedding visit with with some of his teammates, coaches, even former coaches uh, like Kevin O'Connell, who is our offense coordinator, who's now you know the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. So it, you know, based on all the variables, it it, it does seem like this is a very very good situation. Uh, for OBJ in terms of he, we have chemistry with him. Uh, he knows our offense. When he is ready to step on the field and contribute, it'll be a little bit uh, seamless here. But similar to last year, Jim, I think OBJ may be in a situation, and I say similar to last year, when he was cut and he was a free agent, he had a lot of suitors, like the you know suitors that were probably in the mix to make a run. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of good opportunities on the table. We're fortunate he chose us. We are talking to Rams GM Les Snead. You know, Les, number of teams have made some really big moves, taken really big swings this offseason. There were a lot of big names on the move, way more than in the past. Do you feel like maybe other teams are starting to adopt your methods? It, it, you know, I, I would I, I say I, I think we've always been a little bit of a uh, – I don't want to call it a copycat league, but because there's only 32 NFL franchises, there's there's really only 32 probably specific case case studies that we can all right look back and try to analyze and, and see if we can you know take some of that DNA. I know I know for many years a lot of us have tried to to look at what New England was doing and is are they doing anything that we could do? Obviously, you can't totally bring the New England DNA to your build, and so. I think we were a part of that, but I, I also think there's there's uh, other teams besides us, right, that are that have kind of said realized they were in a window to have a chance to contend, to be one of the better eight to four, hopefully two, even if you're fortunate enough, number one team of 32. And I think those over the last, I call it five to seven years, we've seen teams becoming a little more aggressive in their approach when they do feel like they have a, an opportunity or a window to take advantage of. We're talking to Rams GM Les Need. So it's interesting about the window, Les, because now that you've won a Super Bowl, does it change anything with regards to your approach? For instance, do you feel like you've got this window and you've got to be as aggressive as possible to keep putting yourself in position to capitalize while that window is open? I mean, does it change your approach now that you bank one? Yeah, it, it'd be interesting uh, – now that we have her, or it'd be interesting, right? If you came up, uh, 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 let's call it a couple inches short, and 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 you still know that okay, uh, there's this window where, and when I say window, right? There's a there's an element where uh, you know that, and we know that we have players at specific positions that are playing really good football, have a lot of NFL experience uh, in their prime per se, and how how do we as an organization, right? collaborate with the players, collaborate with everybody to, to come up with the, 
right, the, the best possible version of, of, in this case, right, the 2022 Rams. And, and so there is a belief there. There's an efficacy because we know, right, we've actually attempted to climb to the top of the mountain, right, capture that flag, I think, as I mentioned before, and we were able to do it. But, again, that was 21. It's 22. Uh, we believe we have a chance, and, and now it's, it's, it's up to us at each step of the way, right, to uh, do our best to make the most of those uh, moments. Hey, Les, first and best use of the word efficacy in a long time on this show. Well played. I want to ask you something. The, the team had this incredible movie trailer around the draft, and you were played by Josh Holloway from Lost in Yellowstone. He said he did not know that much about you, so he studied you, and he said, quote, he's got a brain like a freaking mathematician. And I was noticing, I kept picking up on this, he would say, well, it's kind of a complex algorithm really and he would say that and i'm like this bleeper's done calculus and to quote i'm curious what's your reaction when you hear that breakdown of your character and what did you make of the way he portrayed you yeah it, number one is I, I think my wife was jacked that josh you know played myself and i think she'd rather him show up right uh <laughs> home from work tonight than myself if uh, we went back to all the teachers who probably taught me math they might they might dissent uh, with Josh, but uh, uh, because it, it, math was never my my strong suit, I do think that if he got anything right, we we talk uh, we talk a lot in our building, right? That, that, that there's algorithm, there's there's a calculus, there's an art to building a football team. There's a there's an art, there's a calculus, right? To as you evolve different variables from when we when we show up for training camp. And, and you play show, you know, you do week one and then all of a sudden for our sake, right? Week eight, all of a sudden Robert Woods no longer with us. We get to the Super Bowl and Tyler Higby's no longer with us and OBJ goes down in the middle of our second team tight. So point being is there's this calculus, there's this art, there's this algorithm where it's always evolving and and, and our mantra is this no matter what happens on the you know, during the you know, in in that calculus formula, those variables, when something, when there is adversity, is there any way we can be intentional about being stronger on the other end? Mm. So that would be the the only I call it similarity. So stronger how? Uh, Strong, stronger, the, less stronger mentally, stronger emotionally, stronger physically, stronger across the board. What's the other end? I, I still think there. You know, a good example would be uh, a good example. In this, if I if I would articulate it from a football standpoint, when we lost Robert Woods, right, we we were a team that was able to to to, to get in these hurry up moments. And it, it, interesting, right? Sean could probably call a play that we might not have practiced that week or even that year. Cooper Robert Woods could probably mention it to Matthew Stafford. They could get on the same page and in a quick amount of time execute it. But when we did lose, when we did lose. Robert Wood, we had to slow things down. But during that, right, Matthew was able to articulate, right, partner with Sean, that there is some positives, right? There is some elements of us being stronger by slowing things down and, and being able to determine maybe what the defense was trying to uh, do to you and, and then go from there and let Matthew use his experience. So that, I always say that all that emotionally psychology, that's that's a big part of it. But there is is there a way to engineer that? Let's just say tactically on the other end of adversity, we can actually be better, just as good, different. That gives us an edge um, that we didn't have before. So then finally, lesson, just a quick follow to that. Is that resilience or is that preparation or are they one and the same? 
I think you know. I think you'd have to be somewhat resilient, not to necessarily ruminate right on the adversity, uh, and let that bog down right the your probably your creative juices to figure out a solution. So we always say this: Hey, is there is there any way right to to not necessarily survive the uh, adversity, but can we thrive on the other end? And and I think that can be. There's an there's probably like you said a psychological element to it that you truly have to really believe you truly have to focus in on okay we've been disrupted we're going to be different but wow could this actually be a blessing in the skies and if it can be let's make sure we're intentional about engineering that blessing but wow I love that conversation so much he's the GM of the LA Rams he led them to a Super Bowl in February. And they've got that, quote, heavyweight fight against Buffalo. It is September 8th. Les Snead is the GM. Les, really appreciate you. Really appreciate the relationship. Thank you so much. Hey, appreciate you having me, Jim. It's always fun. Good stuff, Les. Really good stuff. Love that. Les Snead, Rams GM, joining us. That's how you close the show. Hey, everybody, good show. Good job. Good day. Well done. Good night now.